This episode of MBSing is sponsored by Know Your Company. Got 25 to 75 people in your company? Check out knowyourcompany.com, software that helps companies like Airbnb know their company better. MBSing. I'm your host, Mary Beth Smith. My guest today is my dear friend, Sean Cooley, and he talked to me about his love of the 2004 Boston Red Sox. Uh, for those of you who don't know, this is the team that broke the curse of the great Bambino and won the World Series after 80 plus years uh, without one in Boston. It was a huge story. It'd be uh, similar to the next time that the Cubs, <sighs> God bless them, win a World Series. Um, and that was one of the things that really draws Sean to it is the story. Uh, he is a journalist for Thrillist. Uh, check out his stuff on there if you have interest in that. He's written up a ton of cool restaurants and places uh, here in Chicago and across the country. Um, so for him, it's so much about the story. It's about how interesting this team was. And I really think we got to have a lot of fun digging deep into how crazy everything kind of had to fall into place for this to happen for this team. And that was a lot of fun. As a baseball fan myself, uh, I got to chime in on a few thoughts and uh, my own experiences during that era and current era baseball um and we really just had a good time uh as sean did a great job of kind of encompassing the whole story that was that season for them um we only took a few little tangents of of uh, other things here and there but i think it's gonna be a really fun one for everybody to listen to and i thank sean for uh reaching out to want to do the show um this is the first episode that we've recorded at the uh, Cars Against Humanity uh, office in their recording studio, so you may notice that sound quality is a bit different than it has been for the past hundo eps, uh, so that's really fun and cool, and Sean was great for being patient with me, making sure I got everything set up right, um, so another big thanks to Cards Against Humanity and the Chicago Podcast co-op um for setting up the sponsors and for this opportunity to use that space along with a number of the other members of the co-op um i'll go in and go ahead and uh, lead that into this sunday the 17th one of the other members of the chicago podcast co-op the nerdalogs show live show that we record into a podcast your stories will have our uh third sunday of the month event at 7 p.m. at the offices of Cards Against Humanity in their theater. That's 1917 North Elston at 7 p.m. And that will be hosting guests from the Chicago Podcast Co-op. So those podcasters that have been uh, 
accrued together by the co-op um, and have been uh, doled out sponsors from various small businesses across Chicago will be telling stories of their own for this night. I'm really excited about it. Uh, I was on the slate to tell a story, didn't have anything prepared, and there was a wait list of other storytellers, so I relinquished my spot, but I will be there. A lot of the sponsors for the shows will be there to be able to kind of see what they're uh, putting their um, well-earned money into uh, for advertising purposes, and I couldn't be more excited about it. I I love your stories every month. I am so grateful for this co-op, and I'm so excited to meet some of the other podcasters. So if you have any interest in that at all, please come out this Sunday, the 17th, at the Cards Against Humanity office for a really cool night of storytelling and podcasts. And if you like this, I can practically guarantee that'll be a cool night for you. Um, Another fun event coming up at the Cards Against Humanity office and also associated with the Nerdalogs. I'm sorry if I ever sound like a broken record where that's concerned, but it's really like... I I don't know if I'd still have this in the way that it exists if it weren't for that. So uh, those people and that thing is very important to me. So thank you for bearing with me. Um, And I hope that it's something where you get enjoyment out of that. And and check out other things on the website and our other podcasts, including this one. Um, I'm so gracious to be have this opportunity and um, the Nerdalogs are such a huge part of that. So on May 29th, uh, the Nerdalogs will be launching a Kickstarter project for a game that we have developed as a group over the past year or so called Fisticuffs. It's a card game. It's kind of like Uno meets Hunger Games. Um, It's fun. It's replayable. We've worked really hard on it. A lot of the members of the group have done tons of playtests. I put in uh, things here and there. I helped coordinate the Kickstarter video that will be going up on that day as well. Um, That's May 29th. So keep an eye out for the Kickstarter. But also that night at 8 o'clock at the office, so uh, in the theater. I should say in the theater. The office and the theater are separate things. Any hoot. In the theater at the Cards Against Humanity office, 1917 North Elston at 8 o'clock. We're doing a huge launch party. We're going to have copies of the game. We're going to have some beer from Sweetwater Brewing. I believe we'll also have some beer from Sweetwater Brewing at the Your Stories this Sunday. So if that's a thing that draws your attention, let it. Come drink some beers with us. We'll have some snacks. We'll definitely have um, other Kickstarter-funded games for people to play. Uh, We'll have um, some other fun events in the works for that. More details as they come, but mark your cows. Have a good time with us. Help us kind of, like kick off this thing in the right way. We're not trying to give away rewards. We're not trying to make money. We just want people to buy our game. We just want people to have fun playing this game that we spent a lot of time and energy putting into. So you're not going to see some... We're not going to try to sell you a Fisticuffs t-shirt. We're not going to try to say, if you give us a dollar, we'll put a thank you note on the back of the card. Whatever. We just want to to make enough money so that we can get games printed and put them in people's hands. So please come. Um, we're ingratiating ourselves uh, uh, to get people to come out, throw some bucks our way, 
um, buy a fun game, uh, play it with friends, learn how the game works. Uh, if you're maybe skeptical and want to play the game first, what a great opportunity to do so. Come out. If you think it's garbage, then don't give us any money. If you like it, maybe throw us some bucks and get a copy of your own once the Kickstarter is hopefully funded. Cool. That's all I'm going to do. Thank you so much for putting up with that kind of plug Uh Like I said, it's a really fun app with Sean. I really love baseball, so I love getting to talk about it whenever I get a chance. Um, and Sean very obviously really was... Uh, deep into this team as it was going on and talking to him before and after the podcast we really got to to chat a lot about um other sports and and the way they kind of like the way you follow in active ways and passive ways and this is like the most active way you could possibly be following sports as far as i'm concerned without being every single game um it's it's community building it's it's you just find players and people to get behind and and the the Red Sox Yankees rivalry is is probably the most heated in all of sports um and and Sean gets into a lot of the fun of that too so thank you so much for listening enjoy this episode what's your favorite barbecue place in Chicago right now uh so like the the big uh lightning rod is um dinosaur moving in oh right yeah Uh, have you eaten there I haven't yet they're 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 good. They I just heard their, about it moving in. They have to get their shit together as far as like being able to maintain a, a, a double decker space with an outdoor patio. It's so big and it's so ambitious. Really? Um, but where lo- are they based usually? Uh, upstate New York. So oh. Nick, Nick Johnsonville, like Rochester. <laughs> Nick Johnsonville. Uh, yeah, which is funny because like damn door. Nick Dorr. Johnsonville brats. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 which I have no meat in them. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> Gross. Um, uh, but the best barbecue in the city is Smoke Barbecue. That's, I that's my favorite. Yeah, their brisket is the best. It's a good wet, good, good. I know wet is like a gross word to say, but it's like. But it's when really, you're talking about brisket, you don't want it to be dry. You don't want that to be dry. <laughs> it's so good. And people hate when you use the word moist. So what else? <laughs> <do you> <laughs> <laughs> Slathered. Uh, um, yeah. Slathered, uh, smothered, covered. Barry Sorkin, the guy who runs it, he he like. He took like the real deal pilgrimage through like Texas and stuff like that, and I have faith in him and where they get their they get their meat like someplace other than the butcher yards that other places get them. And cool, like, they just, man, they just that's do it right that's now. really reassuring because it's been my favorite place for a long time, and I've had a bunch of other places in Chicago because like I like eating barbecue, yeah, and uh, I've always kind of like in the back of my mind been like, I still think smoke's my favorite. So coming and from someone like you, that's very reassuring. <laughs> Good, and it's not like Chicago style barbecue. It's no. like they try, they replicate it pretty well. And I like that they. I think they more than a lot of the other places, um, like separate like. Oh, they want like Carolina style pulled pork because that's what they're known for. You know, they want like St. Louis ribs. You know, I think they do that really well as opposed to like this is. Texas barbecue or whatever. Right. Just kind of like you do you. It's like you said, that guy did his job, did work (laughs) and like found the best. It's when you open up a whiskey bar, you got to go through whiskey territory. Like, yeah, you're opening up barbecue. You got to go around and not just bullshit it. Um, But there's also some other really good places. I think um, Small Smoke Shack is way under the radar. Where is that? It's Filipino barbecue. It's like, um, it's on Belmont 
Craigan, I think is the name of the neighborhood. I barely even know it. And that's, that's is it a way west? It's or no wait, maybe it's not, maybe it's on Belmont. I'll give you the address. It's nowhere you would normally be. It's sure. like not even Lincoln Square. It's like sure. um, west of Lincoln Square, but it's like literally a shack <laughs> with like three seats. It's almost like Frank Underwood shit. Like yeah. not not that old. Like it's a newer pl- spot. They opened up two years ago. But it is like in a closet. Yeah, <laughs> but the guy who runs it, Joaquin, is great. Joaquin. And, he, and, he, and he yeah, he's great. And he experiments with all sorts of different stuff. Like last time, we got uh, smoked chicken skins, and we just Yum. did it family style with three of us. We ordered yeah. three entrees and just fucking ate everything. Um, yeah, we just. I like doing that at all restaurants. I'd say so. Yeah, anything, anytime stuff can come on a tray. That's the nice <laughs> thing about barbecue. Yeah. It's just a big tray. And I think Green Street's pretty good, Green too. Green Street's pretty good. They're, like, I'm... I think they're overpriced. They are. You're paying for the experience, and you're paying mm-hmm. for the ambiance. I'd be interested. I haven't been back there in maybe a year or so since they were first mm-hmm. humming along, but with them and Oshaval, they're both... Uh, it's always packed to the gills. Yeah, you, you have to, like, wait around the line. It's tough, because Brendan Sadikoff places... He's the restaurateur that opens. He's, like, the big restaurateur in town. And like all his places are like super fucking cool, and that one, it, and he and he opened up a pizza place near my house. Really? Um, yeah. Oh, what's the name of it? It's called like Moxie Pizza or something. Oh, that sounds vaguely familiar. Uh, I think I think um, the first time I went to Green Street, I was a little underwhelmed, but the second time I got that Thunderbird sandwich they had. I was gonna say the Thunderbird sandwiches. That's God. a good yes. one. Honestly, before I had that, I was like, ugh, Green Street, overrated. <laughs> and I tried like a bunch of other things that people got, and I was just like, yeah, it's good, but it's not that good. And right. then I had the Thunderbird. That's the key. That's the winner. That's an incredible sandwich. <laughs> with, yeah, with the spots that he runs, it's like with Oshaval, you get the burger. Mm-hmm. With this pizza place, like you have to know which slice to get. Like some of it is hipsterized and some of it's aesthetic. Mm-hmm. It, it's overall experience, but I applaud him for like fucking swinging for the fences on every property he has, and he opens up like a new property every four or five months. That's Speaking like that. of swinging for the fences, <laughs> 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 that's where we go. Uh, a segue. <laughs> 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 and as I was laughing at my own segue, I started coughing and couldn't even make it clean. Um, my guest today is Sean Cooley. Hello, podcast land. He's going to be talking to me about the 2004 Boston Red Sox. Yes. <laughs> Specifically from the month of June to the, no, the, just the, the roster and the team. Yeah, yeah, what if you got even more specific? <laughs> <laughs> the, the starting rotation roster. of the 2004, 2004 Boston, Red Boston Red Sox. Derek Lowe, and it's all about really? Derek Lowe. Really? Derek Lowe? Derek Lowe's he on the team. It, wow. No, you're a, you're a brace fan. Yeah, yeah. So you've had experience with Lowe. Yeah, we've had some some of Lowe's lows. <laughs> 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 Lowe's paint samples get on them um, <laughs> you got what like 2007 low that sounds a little early I would yeah. say it was closer to like 20 2009 2010 ish okay. and then we shipped him off to like the Indians and I'm pretty sure you got DFA yeah there. DFA designated for assignment not down to f- for n- not down, down for asphalt. Down for <laughs> 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 there it is. Down for asphalt. Down for asphalt. <laughs> uh, yeah, we probably should be wary of t- of getting too, too uh, inside, inside baseball. Sure. So yeah. thank you for explaining what DMV <laughs> is. Designated for assignment just means like, we don't want you no more. <laughs> yeah, you're out. You're gone. Yeah, my objective in talking about the team is to not 
uh, be insufferable Boston uh, sports <laughs> fan, even though I'm, that will come out. That is going to be a hard task. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's terrible. It's like, but like, I think there's a lot of aspects to this team. Um, for anybody that doesn't know, they're the team that broke the curse of the Bambino of Babe Ruth. And I think there's a Which lot of aspects to the team that are like transcend sports. You know, like one sentence could you summarize what the curse of the bambino is for people who wouldn't know oh my god it was it, so 86 years of a drought of no world series championships for one of like the original baseball for, teams. for a team who before that was like one of the only teams who ever won <laughs> world yeah. series oh totally yeah for, forever like the <laughs> before before they won in 04 they would have like the pennants up like the world championship pennants right. i think they had like five or six championships right. you're just like oh man this dude that's weak really to, sad. to get a jersey with all like early 1900s dates yeah, on it you're like, yeah yeah it's like things. what do you if you looked at pictures it'd be like those big floppy gloves and everybody's got like giant sleeves yeah, <laughs> shit doesn't make sense yeah and the idea that George Herman Ruth, Babe Ruth would. That's some deep knowledge there. George, George Herman Ruth. Uh, or just being a fan, of, a huge <laughs> fan of the St. Louis. <laughs> he would like that the idea that he would pitch an entire game and bat and like he was the best at like everything. Like that's it's insane. To, to the point today where like a pitcher will almost die batting. Like yeah. a, a pitcher running to first might rip their leg open and yeah. start bleeding openly on the and, field. And like the other side of that, uh, oh, oh shit, you're talking about Wainwright. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I was going to bring up the other side of that is David Ross pitched a clean inning for the Cubs last week. Did you see that? No. The what catcher, happened? David Ross. It was 12-4 oh. to four in the ninth, and they were just, like, trying to rest their bullpen, and the manager for the Cubs just went up to Ross and was like, hey, bud, uh, you want to pitch? And he was like, sure. And he fucking – I mean, he, all he threw was straight down the pipe, like 80-mile-an-hour fastballs. Mm -hmm. Um, right over the plate every time. So they hit it three times, but they got three outs. Like they, it was like I want to say pop out, pop pop ground, something like that. Score that. Yeah, I love when outfielders get to pitch, and they love it too. Like it's like yeah, yeah. He's been in this. He's been in the game for I want to say like seven hundred plus games, and he had never done anything but catch. Yeah. Amazing. On the on the 04 Red Sox team, this was David McCarty, who was the backup first baseman, got in in like a mid-June game against the Mariners, like got in in the 16th inning, and he got in and he got to pitch like three innings. And yeah. it's just one of those things where you're just like watching it, and it's just so funny to, yeah. to see how they do it uh -huh. so unregulated, and they're just throwing gas because they're an outfielder. Yeah. They should be able to That's throw hard. Exactly. I mean, same goes for Ross. Like, he should be able to get a ball from home plate to second, basically, as is the most that he would be required to do. And <laughs> required to do. Required to do. I love it. When uh, I think it's baseball brings it out of me. <laughs> <laughs> um and, uh, yeah, Ross, another guy who spent some time with the Braves. The Bravos. I, I'm a fan of the Braves. I mean, they're a natural, allegedly a natural rival to the Red Sox. I think the Braves used to be the Boston Braves, too. Correct. I don't know that all history. Uh, they moved to Atlanta from uh, Milwaukee. I don't know when they moved to Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, but they moved to Atlanta from Milwaukee, like, f I think 50 years ago this year. Yeah. Yeah, I liked you guys in the 90s. You, you, you got your rings early. We had to wait a lot longer. I was, I was 
I was kind of like a red, my dad indoctrinated oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. me into so this, this is nonsense Red Sox. This is a good time yeah. to, what's the origin of your love for the Bo Sox? Yeah, so it was, my dad was a Red Sox fan. I'm originally from Connecticut, Meriden, Connecticut, which is kind of near Hartford, like in the center of the state. Okay. And it's literally like the Mason-Dixon line of Red Sox-Yankees. Really? So, yeah. So uh, I would eventually work for the New Britain newspaper. That was like our neighboring town's newspaper. I would intern there during the summers. When That's I cool. Journal. Yeah. I didn't realize that journalism stuff was something you'd been doing for that long, too. Oh, it runs deep, baby. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> um, the basically, so the sports pages would always be Yankees, Red Sox, and it was always like a quandary over which one would get top billing over the other. Wow. Even though the Yankees were always the hammer and the Red Sox were always the nail. Sure. They're, they're like the, the Red Sox Especially fans in the diehard. period of like us growing up. Totally. Yeah. It, the, and the best is when it's like super competitive and it's not totally one-sided. Like even, you know, when there's years when the Yankees completely fall out of the playoffs, I'm always, I, I, I'll, I'll always say like, yeah, fuck the Yankees. But like, I'll secretly, secretly kind of be like, you wish I, it was well, a little more competitive. Yeah, I wish we could like these other championships that the Red Sox have won since then. They haven't necessarily had to go through the Yankees. Yeah, no, not really at all. So that's what makes that division has become so interesting yeah. in the last few seasons. The AL East, baby. Uh, yeah. So my dad kind of got me into it, indoctrinated, you know, just kind of born into it. And my dad was a big Red Sox fan and he would bring me to games as a kid. And I, I, place like my first Red Sox memories of like 96, 97. And those were uh, Mo Vaughn days. Okay. Uh, and Mo Vaughn was their first baseman, like big crushing hitter. And it was, it's harkens back to such an older era of like nineties baseball. I don't want to say like juicing baseball, but uh, kind of like chicks I mean, dig the home run baseball. Yeah. That's such a good one. <laughs> yeah. Like Jose Canseco uh, sponsored yeah, baseball. Yeah. And you're talking about right in the same time period as the big Maguire Sosa yeah. uh, hit off, you know, home run derby. Exactly. So yeah, this would have, now that I'm thinking about it, it would have come after the strike, like a couple years after. So right. it would have been like a bounce. Uh, year or whatever to like bring people back interested oh, in it. Oh man, that's so true. Yeah, we gotta <laughs> chicks dig the long ball. We gotta <laughs> we gotta give them what they want. My uh, my dad had brought me to like a couple games at Fenway when I was like a uh, a younger uh, preteen, and I kind of loved Fenway. Fenway's like a magical spot. The same way you know we both live in Chicago. The same way Wrigley is kind of like a temple of baseball. Fenway is kind of something unto itself. You see the Green Monster in person. You mm. kind of like get the whole ballpark experience. It's not. It's not professionally laid out at all. It's just kind of like beautiful and it's weird <laughs> eccentricities. Yeah. I um, mean, you could kind of, you could say the same thing about Wrigley, totally. but there are plenty of things that like are so outdated that it makes people not want to play there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But to watch a game. Yeah. Beautiful. To, to sit Very in the same wooden seats that don't fit uh, American butts today. <laughs> like they couldn't have imagined how fat we were going to get. Yeah, uh, that's so <laughs> funny. I've actually never been to Fenway, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. it's, it's worth a little trip out there. How much, what was the trip like from uh, your hometown down to Boston? Yeah. So it would have been probably like, I don't know, two hours and change to drive down there. That's so to, to go to a game would be like, uh, an effort, like a whole thing. That's kind of why I wanted to ask, yeah. Yeah, and the, and so the thing would be that my dad would probably make us leave like uh, two or three innings early, oh, and that always that always crushing. stuck in my craw. Yeah. And so like not to the point where when I go to baseball games now, like I'll see 
the the Red Sox play the White Sox here in Chicago, mm-hmm. I will stay through the Anything. entire nine innings. Yeah. And we've stayed through like April games that were like 30 degree weather in yeah. like gloves and stuff. Uh-huh. I'm like, I don't care. We're staying here. We're watching the game. That's there so might be funny. an amazing comeback. Yeah. You never know. Because I've seen like a couple and it's just yeah. like one of those things that's like, well, you know, no shot clock. Just go there, enjoy it. And like dig in hard. Like I, I hate that idea of like maybe that dodger mentality which i understand because you have to get in traffic and you basically want to shoot yourself but right. you have to like schedule when you're going to make your timely exit but digging in hard on a baseball game like i just think I that's know. part of it i just think like you don't go to a baseball game to try to not have to sit in traffic when you leave like just know that that's part of going to a sporting event like if you want to see a game watch a fucking game yeah you're already spending fifty dollars on yeah. beers just dig in, right. get into it. Why do you only want to see two-thirds of the experience? <laughs> <laughs> so my dad had kind of gotten me onto baseball a good amount, and I played younger. It was one of the sports that, like, stuck with me the longest. Mm-hmm. I was a I was a – I still am a lanky weirdo. <laughs> so it was one of those things of, like, I couldn't acclimate to basketball, like mm-hmm. other sports, just I wasn't having – You're so tall, I though. know. But with baseball, it, I was okay enough that I stuck with it long enough, but I liked it more as sure. I got older. And we even went to a new Britain Rock Cats game, the which they're, they're the minor league Rock affiliate. Cats. <laughs> Rock Cats. Uh, they're the minor league affiliate for the Twins, but they play in New Britain, Connecticut. And one of my like uh, vivid baseball memories was, um, I must have been like 10 or 11. Uh, it's the type of place where after like the seventh inning or, or whatever, you might wait in the parking lot and catch some foul balls, get some souvenirs oh, yeah, or whatever. Sure. Mm-hmm. I remember that, but I also remember one time we had stayed late enough in the game that a foul tip came. We were along maybe the first baseline uh, in the field, and it's not a big stadium. It's like mm-hmm. bleachers, aluminum bleachers everywhere. Mm-hmm. Foul tip came uh, along the first baseline, and it landed kind of in like a pile of um, gravel that was off the side of the bleachers. So you had to kind of like run down, and you had to run through like this labyrinthine fencing because they had to keep people from not like sneaking in or whatever yeah. to go out there and get to like the gravel parking lot area. Oh, sure, sure, so sure, So sure, I remember sure. the, like as soon as the foul tip comes – I make a mad dash. I like <laughs> drop my soda and my goddamn gummy bears. Go out there. But I also remember that like a younger, like maybe eight-year-old girl also broke and she was closer to like the exit no. area. And as a kid, eventually you get so fucking bored of baseball. Like you're just doing anything. You're like making side yeah, you for yourself. Find anything. So yeah, the idea yeah. of a foul ball coming and like maybe getting to take home a ball, like you have no idea the actual monetary value of a ball. Right. You're just like, there's no other way I'll get a ball. I right. need this ball. Yeah. Um, I remember it was almost like global gut style, like going through this <laughs> obstacle course, like winding through and like running on gravel and like trying to catch through uh, this fencing. And I remember we like me and her almost got to the ball at the same time. And she had the guts to kind of like make a dive for guts. it. The global <laughs> guts. Do, do, do you have it? She, um, she, she made the dive for it. And I had the wherewithal to kick the ball further <gasps> oh on. Oh, my God. So me as a dastardly uh, so youngin kicked it and then got it. And then she had the wherewithal to dive on gravel. <laughs> and I and I am a lousy, terrible cheater. And I totally kept the ball. I still have that New Britain Rockets uh, baseball. So like that's kind of like a pride and, and glory type <laughs> that's thing. That's a for great me. story. Thanks. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. <laughs> you dirty little bustody. So I like baseball. I kind of I wouldn't when I really like got into it, got into it was when I went to college. I went to a small liberal arts college up in Burlington, Vermont, which is kind of out in the sticks, but it's on the beautiful Lake Champlain. What uh, St. Michael's College. Okay. Uh, like UVM's the big school there, and St. Michael's is like one tenth the size. Gotcha. Um, but it's pretty isolated. We're talking in a like a thousand, two thousand. I think my maybe my graduating class was like fifteen hundred. Okay. Like okay. So not quite that. It's not too bad. Um, but it was kind of like being in a bubble and be in for the first time in my life having like twenty four hour access to like ESPN, living with sure. guys. Like yeah. doing all these things that are related to sports and like having having a bunch of mass holes in my life. Ah. Like I lived my whole life in Connecticut <laughs> and in Vermont, even though the school's in Vermont, I think I swear it's like 40 percent people, probably more than that, probably like half people from Massachusetts come so, up there. Yeah, but that, that kind of thing totally feeds uh, your mentality and how much you're interested in it. Totally. Because even when I moved up to Chicago, I found myself following sports more frequently just because of people that I knew here who followed them more frequently, you know? Yeah, by association, mm -hmm. by proxy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Chicago's one of those markets that sports crazy. Boston, for, mm. for fucking sure, especially lately. Um, so yeah, it would be a we thing. Yeah, haven't even talked about <laughs> the flight gate. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to ever want to talk about that. <laughs> uh, for any uh, I'm sure you don't. Uh, so it would be a thing where um, I, I went to uh, St. Mike's from 2002 to 2006 is when I graduated. Mm -hmm. So I was kind of there right in the meat of this chunk of wow. like Red Sox epicness. Yeah. So, uh, and that's such a fun way to experience that. Totally. Surrounded by you know, like college friends who are also into it yeah i mean i i had wanted to go to like boston college or boston university and things okay. just didn't shake out gotcha. but i'm kind of glad that i didn't in retrospect for many reasons but one of them was like you're in this bubble at, at st mike's and you're kind of living in the freshman dorms and you're in the quad mm -hmm. so when in 2003 uh the red sox play the yankees in the ALCS and it was an epic like almost like heavyweight fight they go seven games and it ends on <laughs> uh, Aaron Boone of the Yankees, this not even like an epic Yankee, some yeah. fucking journeyman Yankee. Never heard the name. Uh, hitting uh, a walk-off home run against In Game Seven. Yeah, Game Seven against Tim Wakefield of the Red Sox, who is a beloved Red Sox. Yeah, he's, he's like so identified with the team. He's the knuckleballer, like such a oh, fan favorite. What a and it's just so crushing. It, 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 so you're yeah, so you're in your like and that's to go to room, the World Series to go to the World Series to get a t punch a ticket to play like the marlins which mm. who knows what would have oh, happened if they right. had played them yeah okay so oh. yeah to set up the I opponents that, that was the marlins people one. in chicago yeah. will know this as the bartman yeah year. it was yeah. so bizarro land that both what? the red sox and the cubs were basically counting on meeting in the world series for a winner takes all cash out terrible losing down streak. to the last uh game of both series um i think so i mean the epic one for uh the oh, Cubs was, was game six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, yeah. It, oh, so Bartman it, happening game six. Exactly. So it was kind of like anticlimactic. It, it was almost like they <laughs> basically cashed it in after I, that. I was going to say, I, I know everyone points to that happening just being like, well, we're not going to – guess this wasn't the year, you know, like in a huff. <laughs> Which is like the mentality of a Red Sox fan versus a Cubs fan, I feel. Like having known both the fan bases, like the Cubs fans can kind of deviate their attention away from it a little bit and like – 
Um, it, it, when I you, think you're right. When you're around Wrigley, it is a fucking party. People are there to, yeah. to drink and get drunk. And not that they aren't at other stadiums, but like with the Red Sox fans, it was such like a thorn in their side to like beat the Yankees. And like the idea that WEI, the sports talk radio station, even exists out there with like just terrible jockeys 24 7 talking about all of they have no insider info and just talking about everything wrong with the boston red sox and you know taking all sorts of calls for like uh, managing it's terrible (laughs) so but it never stops and hot stove season never stops and even with me it sticks with me to this day hot stove season hot so the hot stove is like in the off season they call it the hot stove like you know you're keeping the pan Uh, on the hot stove i I don't know okay it's basically all about trades and winter meetings and all the bullshit that doesn't mean anything that's how my brother is has become so such a diehard Braves fan. I mean, we were always Braves fans growing up, but in the last couple years, my brother's gotten into like wins above replacement and like paying attention to everyone who's coming through the farm leagues. And he'll send me like stuff about prospects. And I'm like, Jesus, it's, you know, (sighs) December. I can't care about this right now, especially after watching how the Braves crumbled in September. Like (laughs) it's brutal. But like I would, I remember being in the park at the time, my girlfriend worked at a Barnes and Nobles. (laughs) And I remember being in the parking lot of a Barnes and Nobles. I had bought a baseball prospectus, Mm -hmm. which was just a big giant like newspaper that just had minor leaguers info. And I was reading about like all of the Red Sox, like minor league affiliates. And I've since dialed (laughs) it back, but like, that's all. Also, like you had to buy a special paper to look up all that <laughs> yeah. stuff. Now the internet <laughs> has more than enough of that. Yeah. So like knowing minor league prospects and all that stuff. I mean, and then like getting back to like 2003. So like crushing mm-hmm. defeat mm-hmm. of that. God, and it, in the hot stove imagine. season, it, it just leaves a terrible taste in your mouth to the point of like, we, we were so, it's such a good team, like such a good slugging hitting team. I remember like Todd Walker, the second baseman just had this, crazy epic year i was like there's no way he's gonna be able to replicate that so just talking about like the off season of like how they're gonna repair it and and the idea was this guy uh theo epstein Mm -hmm. came to the team and theo epstein is now like the gm of the cubs and he's known for like turning around franchises after winning like two world series with the red sox he's from brookline massachusetts he's like a harvard educated guy like super smart guy and he's able to kind of come in and kind of put all the Red Sox curse bullshit to the side sure. and like straight up money ball the fuck out of the team. Like, so this was between 03 and 04? This was, I think he took, oh, yes, I think he took over around 03. I don't wow. remember. I want to say like 2002 is when the new ownership group came in. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if Theo stepped in then, but he was definitely there before 04. Okay. So the idea being like, we're not going to be a station to station baseball team. We're not going to be just uh, sluggers. We're going to actually try and sign guys and pick guys off the scrap heap while having this insane payroll of like $180 million. Sure. Like the probably second highest after the Yankees. After the Yankees, which was another thing. It was always like haves and haves nots. It was always like second in spending. We always got the... Ter- but Boston's bad about being like, uh, fucking Yankees buying the whole team. And it's like, you guys are second. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you are doing the same thing they are, just not quite as much. It's so self-righteous. Yeah. But we would always, we would get like the dented cans of the Yankees. Like they would, they would get Jason Giambi and we would get Jeremy Giambi who was like, like fat and like couldn't, and didn't even make the team. Yeah. It was, it was always like little brother stuff mm-hmm. in, in almost every regard to the point where in that off season, 
Um, the Red Sox were desperately trying to trade for Alex Rodriguez, who yeah, was the hot-hitting, at the time, the hot-hitting shortstop of the Texas Rangers, who were abysmal, you know, last place for five years in a row. Uh, and he made some ins- ungodly amount of money. And the Red Sox were going to trade for him and have Alex Rodriguez be their pioneer and, like, have, them, have him, like, be the cornerstone. Just build the, the team around years, him, yeah. Build the team around him. They had the, the whole deal set in place. They were going to... Oh, um, no. <laughs> figure out. I think they were going to get rid of Nom- uh, Nomar at the time. Uh, Nomar, Nomar Garcia Parra. Nomar! Uh, yeah. Still husband to Mia Ham, I believe. Totally, Mr. Ham. Ham it, it up. Uh, I've always liked that relationship. Totally, yeah. I love when people have kind of like the same caliber of sports. Me too. Of, but of, of different sports. Yeah. Uh, hook up, and maybe they'll... My hope is always that they'll create some super baby. Exactly. I think most people feel the same way about, like, comedians and actors. <laughs> like, <laughs> you, like, you know that, like... I, uh, I'm i trying to think. The first example that came to mind was, like, Nick Offerman and uh, Megan Mullally. Like, oh, if yeah. they had a child, which I don't think they plan to, it would be, like, the dopest, funniest kid. <laughs> I would love that. Yeah. I, I think it's, like, either Feast or Famine because... Mm-hmm. Will Smith and Jada Pinkett. Oh, oh God. <laughs> but kids. they also named their kids after each other, which is like, <sighs> they did not set them up for success. Yeah. And they might be Scientologists. Should have pricked their feet and left them on a mountain. <laughs> Those kids are terrible. <laughs> <laughs> after Earth, come on now. That Karate Kid uh, remake. Trash. I, know, I, the only, I liked Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah, okay. But that, I think that was still when Jaden was like cute and not. Not annoying yet. Yeah, right. Insufferable. But anyway, they were planning to trade for A-Rod, and they were going to get Maglio or Donias. They were going to trade Manny Ramirez, their their cornerstone left fielder. And it would have been this weird shakeup that, in retrospect, I'm so glad it didn't happen. It didn't happen. Because fucking A-Rod is the type of ball player that will, like, have an Esquire photo shoot with him wearing lipstick, kissing himself in a mirror. Yeah. And not realize, like, what a douche How he much is. that makes him look like an asshole. A yeah. huge asshat. And so the deal didn't go through. But what did happen was a week before the 04 season started, um, Aaron Boone, this asshole that ruined no. the Red Sox season, playing a pickup game of basketball, tears his ACL. And so he was the third baseman at the time. So he's out. And the Yankees are just like, oh, we need a new third baseman. Like, who can we get for third base? Let's trade for, like, the best shortstop of all time. And they got fucking A-Rod on their team to play third base. And it was, like, such a, a punch in the nuts that of, like, a win versus all. And, infuriating. And, and the trade didn't go through for the Red Sox because, like, Major League Baseball, like, vetoed the trade. They were like, eh, this is too bad for competitive balance. We can't do this. They really? made the money. They made the money all add up. It just didn't go through. There was too many, uh, too much red tape. But for the Yankees oh, going into it, it's like, oh, that is sign him up, put him in pinstripes, move him over to, to not third. Not even play shortstop. Yeah, oh, he, yeah to play third base because uh, Jeter is there. Which uh, Jeter that season '04 that was the season that uh, about a third of the way through the season he had that epic diving play. Oh. Um, it was like a, a, a pop up, a, a foul pop along the third baseline, and they were playing uh, the Red Sox at the time. They were playing in Yankee Stadium. Jeter has this insane play where he dives into the stands, cuts up his face, makes the catch, oh, and yeah. like he's the hero. He's yeah. like, the, he's like the, the hero of the day. The camera cuts over to uh, our shortstop, Nomar Garcia Parra, and oh. he's still kind of frumpy over like the trade the stuff A-Rod from the beginning stuff, of the year. Sure. 
he's still kind of like upset that that's he the w- kind of thing that will just add fuel to an already like raging fire of rivalry yeah and it, and it goes one of two ways For it, it either like fuels you to, to do better or it just kind of sticks at you and just has this weird funk that you know is a little bit poisonous and in, in this case um going into the <laughs> trade deadline like nomar was like the fans didn't want to admit it because nomar was the last player that Ted Williams said would would hit 400 like at the 99 all-star game like when Ted Williams was um out on the golf cart (laughs) meanwhile like Mark McGuire's teeing off roided up jacked out (laughs) of his mind hitting balls on the mass pike Ted Williams was meeting with Nomar Garcia Parra telling him like I think you'll be the next one to hit um 400 which is a a crazy uh, batting average to have like nobody's even come close to it since uh Tony Gwynn um like in Nomar's a beloved figure, he won the MVP in, in I think 2000, and he was just there. And he was just hardcore. He was everything Boston Red Sox. Mm-hmm. But by that point, it was just kind of worn out. He was injured. He had he had a weird season where like he was in and he was out, and it was just like a weird thing where like things needed to get shaken up because at that point, going to the trade deadline, the Red Sox were just kind of like hovering around 500. They weren't he's that eating, good. He's eating up too much money and not worth enough. Exactly. Yeah. And he's there but all the time. But you don't want to get rid of him because he's your guy. Yeah, it's I rough. get that. So to have the juxtaposition of Jeter being the hero and Nomar being this kind of like seen as like soft or just like out on Boston, it was yeah. like a tough thing. So when the trade deadline um, went down. Oh, but like, what happened at that game when Jeter – when he dove in the stands? Yeah. Oh, they beat the Red Sox. Oh, uh, yeah. They, it, it was en route to, like, them. Like, they went on a big stretch of mediocrity uh, heading into – like, they were almost not even going to make the playoffs. So that was just, like, more deadline. fueling More fuel for the fire. And it was just almost like, yeah, spit in the eye after beating them. And, uh, yeah. Uh, so when the trade deadline went down and Nomar gets traded to the Cubs, it's just, like, a huge shock to everybody. Like, yeah. Uh, Epstein like shook up the entire team, like shook up the roster, got basically what at the time seemed like scrap pieces for Nomar. It was like a, I think it was like a three-way trade. And the in, trade deadline would is in July. Yeah, it's like around the All Star break. Exactly, it's like after the All Star break. I want to say it's like late July. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's always the type of thing where ESPN has their like seven trade shows or whatever. And, and yeah, and just for like non baseball fans, we're talking about like halfway through the season. Yeah, over halfway through the season. Exactly, and it would have been a wasted season. Mm-hmm. It would have bummed me out. Mm-hmm. I would have been yelling at my TV eating Burger King. I just by need to like no inform that more. <laughs> like this is. Over halfway through the season that this happened, at no. this point, it's like you said, it's to the fan base, it's like, well, you know, so much for this year. Like, <laughs> ah, so much for this year, Johnny from Burger King. <laughs> Gonna go back to my job. Um, another thing that was like even amping it up more was in the offseason, we had acquired Kurt Schilling from the mm. Diamondbacks, we got mm. Keith Folk from the A's. We basically were like, putting together all these high-end pitching things. So that upped the stakes to the point of, like, Schilling's great. We, we are going for it. Yeah, Schilling's great. After the after his Red Sox tenure, I've learned that he's, like, a very rigid Republican, like, not like, 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 like eccentric guy, like, to the point where he doesn't believe in dinosaurs ever existing. Oh, boy. Which was odd, and, and the idea that he spent, he went into bankruptcy over trying to make a multi- um, online multiplayer RPG game. Weird. Yeah. I did hear that he had money issues, but I didn't know it was because of that. Yeah. He went, he, he tried to make his own, he tried to start his own company from scratch and went into bankruptcy. He started it in Rhode Island and like hired all these people. And like, um, I guess the game is awful uh, by all accounts, but 
whatever. He so, also got back into the limelight this year because uh, people were saying grotesque things about his daughter, his daughter on, Twitter, on Twitter, which is yeah, so super, super is stupid, shitty. Yeah. And he's 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 a bag of hot air, so you're not gonna mm. just get under his skin. No. He's gonna hear about it. Yeah. So like we had all these awesome pitchers on the team and like that ups up the stakes. So the idea that they were failing was even more like demoralizing. <laughs> so they trade Nomar away, which is like a shock for everybody in Boston. It's like so polarizing. Like some people are like, well, when you got to go, you got to go. Mm-hmm. And they get in return, uh, Doug Minkiewicz, who his last name is I chart because his last name is like so ungodly Polish of like uh, am- amalgam. Uh, it's, <laughs> this name's I chart. So, uh, we get him and we get Orlando Cabrera who, was from the Montreal Expos. This is how far back it was. The Expos were still wow. uh, a thing, uh, which oddly that, enough. How many more seasons was that? That was, One I think, the two? second to last. Yeah. yeah. It was. Um, so I went to college up in Vermont and <laughs> I got to go up to an Expos game to cover it for Vermont Public Radio. Cool. So I got to go there the season, that, that same season, actually. Um, so I got to go up there and it was just me and my buddy, Jim. We were, we were both, um, journalism majors there at St. Mike's. We applied for press passes to go up there and they granted them to us and they gave us entire, like unfettered access to go everywhere in, no um, way. Uh, you think li- it's just cause it was like, Hey, we're the Expos. <laughs> we're pretty chill. <laughs> at this point, like the Expos were owned by major league baseball. So they clearly weren't yeah. making money or trying to make money. Yeah. They were playing a third of their games in Puerto Rico. That is the most Rico. Canadian thing I've ever heard. <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah it's almost like socialist yeah um, exactly go up to stadium olympique and um they have like one dollar hot dogs yes. like dollar beers like it's that almost like going dream. back in time the stadium or the, going to a minor league game <laughs> yeah but but then you get to see like roy halliday major pitch, day. yeah like, yeah <laughs> jesus a, yeah great. um the stadium is the retractable roof is broken so it, it, they just put a big fucking tarp purple tarp over the top like the expos were so bush league in every single way um but i got to go up there and i got unfettered access i got to go to like the um uh locker room so after the post game so at the locker cool. room i got to like go into like frank robinson's um he he was the manager at the time and frank robinson's like a hall of famer like yeah. he, I, I think he's like top 10 of home run leader and i didn't know that at the time i just was like uh, yeah. asking him questions like hey do you think you have it's a competitive i would have shit myself right. in his office exactly um and we got to go into the locker room, and I'm, like, eating some of the spread that was for the players. That I just didn't know that. I was just like, whatever. I'll take this <laughs> ham and cheese croquette and just, like, start eating this That's stuff. So and I got to see, incidentally, I got to see Orlando Cabrera's um, hog. I got to see him naked. Like, there. It was just, like, it was just a random like, thing. When <laughs> you said hog, I was like, his motorcycle <laughs> <laughs> somebody rides on motorcycle <laughs> uh, I to see him naked and you know he's obviously a great specimen cra- <laughs> uh, professional athletes but it was just so crazy to me to think that he went from seeing him there he gets to be like this superstar on the red sox a year later and That's takes him on this crazy journey awesome and the idea that he's maybe on like scouting reports, like one third the player that Nomar is, mm-hmm. but he was just so like instantly beloved and like started hitting right away. And he was a huge, like flashy uh, fielding shortstop, gave them like so much life and like uh, kind of brought them in a better headspace. So cool. after the trade deadline, the Red Sox like just basically fucking rally. Mm-hmm. And they're too good of a team to like tank and, and be shitty. And they're the type of team that like they start to get more fun. So 
Kevin Millar is their first baseman, full-time first baseman. He's he's got an interesting backstory. He was actually a scab during the strike shortened season. Wow. He like crossed the line and like you actually know actually played. played yeah, um, so, which is a weird thing. And he was one of the few players to actually be like ingratiated back into baseball. Normally after doing that, yeah. Normally wow. somebody s- crosses a strike line, you're just like, oh fuck, fuck that guy. Off, he's dude. a corporate shill. He's yeah. out here. Millar came back and he he <laughs> he's kind of like this uh, bigger chubby guy with a goatee. He had a video that would play on the Titantron, like a rally video from him when he was maybe 21. And it would play Born in the USA. And it's Kevin Millar. It's like a younger 21-year-old with a cut-off shirt and jeans just basically doing like a rally song to Born in the USA. And it would pop up in the middle of games. And it was just one of those things of like, what baseball team on earth would ever do this? Um, like up until then, like maybe the funnest thing we would do would, would be to play like Sweet Caroline right. after the seventh inning. I was going to say that's, I think it's, it's, I wish they never, they would do, do that, it. But. Okay. So the city that I went to school in Greenville, South Carolina has the Greenville drive and it's a Red Sox affiliate. So they do it at their games too. Yeah. It's, it's not necessary. It's, Neil Diamond doesn't have any connection to the city. We cities. usually made, we usually, it was fun to yell like, Sweet Caroline, dick, dick, dick. Like we just like do stupid stuff to make it actually fun. Yeah. Very Bart Simpson out <laughs> yeah, there. Yeah, dude, we were totally Bart Simpson <laughs> in college. Simpson. I just found out that the woman who voices Bart Simpson is a Scientologist. Ooh, weird, right? That sucks. A- after, yeah, I know, right? But it it, it flavors it flavors the it stew totally afterwards. Totally does. After watching Going Clear, I'm all I'm on like Scientology watch now. Yeah, I knew a decent amount of the information information that was covered and going clear honestly partially because when um messing did the podcast she talked about scientology oh, just because awesome. she's like fascinated by <laughs> it and and talked a lot about like ex-scientologists and the people who try to get out and stuff mm-hmm. um so a lot of the stuff that was covered was something i would not have any frame of reference for if she had not told me a lot of it like yeah. The fucking gulag and all that and stuff. David Miscavige and probably d- murdering his wife. Yeah, yeah, and a lot, a lot of shady Miscavige stuff. Um, but yeah, it really did like reinvigorate my uh, keeping an eye out for those. I mean, I already mentioned like, yeah, but it aren't Will and Jada. So I don't just. It's a secretly a podcast about Scientology. <laughs> we buried it deep in a red size podcast. So Both of us are on holding us. on to cans the entire time. <laughs> 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 nah, they're just around our heads. Hello. Yeah, we got some hot cans. <laughs> um, so Millar would have this crazy like um, rally video. They would have... That sounds awesome. It's awesome. And he coined this stupid phrase called cowboy up. There's nothing less cowboy. Cowboy about, yes. up? Yeah. Because I guess he would wear cowboy boots. I don't know where he's from. Maybe Texas or something. <laughs> but like there was nothing... I hope w- it's like Detroit. <laughs> 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 Which is would also be kind of ironic because I feel like Kid Rock does that too. Where yeah. he's like, yeah, I'm a cowboy. No. No. You're Just be you, man. From Detroit. Yeah. Be kind of like Eminem. Uh, yeah, like yeah. a shittier version. <laughs> <laughs> just be shitty m M&M. um, They would also have um, – so on their team, we, I had mentioned their left fielder, Manny Ramirez, um, who's Dominican. He, would ha- he had long dreadlocks. He basically, ha- he basically looked like a lizard man with yes. the length of his dreadlocks that he yes. would have. And the thing I like most about Manny is uh, I'm pretty sure at some point my dad started calling him the predator. <laughs> <laughs> That's very apt. right. Yeah. Right. He would he would wear like very loose baggy uniform and he would keep a, a, almost a full water bottle in his back <laughs> pocket in his butt pocket. Yeah. 
And after like realizing that, you know, being a left fielder is actually pretty hard, especially in Fenway, you have to play bounces. But being an outfielder in major leagues is tough. You could have to dive on any play. For sure. But the idea that Manny would keep a full bottle of water in his back butt pocket, because he's not diving under any Any circumstances. He's clearly there to hit. The predator. (laughs) He is the predator. Imagine if the predator were trying to field like hard hit balls into the outfield. It wouldn't happen. No go. Um, we also got, um, we, I think we signed him the previous season, but David Ortiz now seems like such an idol. Yeah. But at the time that we picked up David Ortiz, he was, he got kicked. He got, I think he got DFA'd by the Minnesota twins. No so, way. Yeah. So it was a thing where like the twins never used him really properly, but Theo Epstein going to like this money ball route of like, Hey, this guy gets on base a lot. Mm-hmm. We can just throw him in the mix uh, with him and fucking Jeremy Giambi. Yeah. And we'll see who beats out and who, who gets the DH spot. Right. And David Ortiz, like, skyrockets. I think he hit maybe, like, 45 home runs that year. Damn. He's the kind of guy who has his own line of mango salsa. That's he, he's, he's, he is absolutely <laughs> beloved. After the... Um, the terrible uh, Boston Marathon bombings. He's the guy who got on the mic and at, at like a big professional like press conference at Fenway Park. The one thing he says is like, this is our fucking city oh. to everybody. And, and the idea that he swore or whatever, I think it was the only time the FCC has written like a support tweet over the past like really? five or six years. They were like, Just yeah, like, we can't support how he said it, it, but that's his message. That's the only yeah. way to say it. Like, and he captures it so well. Like it's so... I got chills when he said that. Yeah. Like, that's such an empowering thing, to, especially to hear from someone like that who like, it's like you said, like Bostonians are so entrenched in their sports and a guy like David Ortiz, I mean, Manny Ramirez, David Ortiz, those are the guys that I, like, associate with the Red Sox, you totally. know? Even Garcia Parra, really. Yeah, totally. Um, like, when I think Red Sox, I think of guys like that. So, yeah, that's the guy I want saying, this is our fucking city. Yeah, going to war. And there's nothing less, like, Boston-y about David Ortiz. He's, like, a, a Dominican guy. Yeah. Who wears, like, he looks like he belongs in Miami every day of his life. Right. Um, but he's playing in New England, playing through the winter, and he's just a beloved figure there, partly because of all the success that he's brought, and just he could just hit like a mammoth. So it was like um, after that trade deadline, after the chemistry got shaken up, after the team kind of loosens up and kind of pulls the stick out of their ass, it kind of comes down to like the, the um, pennant stretch, mm-hmm. and they, they make the playoffs, they make the wild card. And this was like early on in the wild card's inception to the point of like, People would have thought this was kind of bullshit that the team that doesn't win their division still gets to go to the playoffs. Sure. But now like, we have a wild card playoff game. Yeah, which is uh, whatever. Dumb. Real dumb. Hate it. It's bad. The well, Braves were one of the first teams to really get fucked over by that, that thing. That playoff. This was the back when it was. Fucking, uh, do you remember the infield fly? Oh, yeah. The infield yeah. fly. Yeah, that fucked him over. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sorry, Bartman. Things were better in 2004. <laughs> was four teams would go to the playoffs. So the Yankees won the division, clearly. I think they almost won. I think they won like 98 games. The Red Sox won, I think, 95 games. Wow. Uh, and they stayed and played the wild cards. Like, yeah. That's why I wanted to point out that this all happened in the latter half of the season. Yeah, exactly. That's yeah. crazy. They take off. They, they, they catch fire. They kind of just go on these crazy streaks. They play the Yankees late in the season and um, probably had a few like must win games in there. So. Totally. Because to try to, to win back the division, to get the... there's one game in particular where they're playing. Uh, and I, I forget who was pitching at the time. I almost want to say it was Bronson Arroyo or some like uh, mm-hmm. mid, mid, mid-level uh, pitcher for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Is he still around? 
He is still around. I, I think so. so. I think he plays for Cincinnati. The cool uh, thing about Bronson Arroyo. That sounds right, yeah. For Bronson Arroyo, he, um, he, he's like a white guy with cornrows. He's like a real yeah. weird head case. <laughs> um, but when he played for Cincinnati, he cut a local car commercial. Th- and this local car commercial <laughs> is amazing because I don't know if it's real or if it ever aired, but it's Bronson Arroyo with a baseball bat. And he says, he says like, you know, Stevenson Auto is going to be a home run. And the ball goes near him, and he swings and completely whiffs. And he goes, shit, would you believe a double? And then he goes, Stevenson Auto. And then like cuts into the commercial. So I was like, funny. this almost can't be real yeah. unless it ran on like super local TV in Cincinnati. Um, but Bronson Royo, uh, like basically dusts back A-Rod on a pitch. And A Rod got real lippy. He does what? I'm sorry. He basically like throws a pitch like too close, too inside oh, gotcha, to him, gotcha. to A Rod's uh, liking. Um, and A Rod gets super lippy and like starts shouting at him. And Jason Veritek, who was the switch hitting catcher for the Red Sox, this guy he basically like picture a marine, like a beefy marine. He would uh, switch hit. He, he handled almost all the pitchers. Super f- professional and like super so- uh, soft spoken, like very professional guy. Cool. He's showing A Rod to first base, like saying, "Hey, just go, man. Just go, man." Yeah, yeah. And A Rod's not having it. He's just like coming on. He starts to charge like a little bit, and Veritek punches him in the face with his glove and, and like downs him and a huge Man, brawl with breaks his out glove? with his glove like downs him but that's like that's such a catcher move totally I think. Like, yeah to to like protect the pitcher by you know kind of by any means necessary so insane and that leads into um pedro martinez who was like our pitching ace uh <laughs> uh pedro martinez took don zimmer who was like this 70 year old bench coach on the Yankees um after that like fight broke out it was like a huge brawl uh Don Zimmer runs at Pedro because he he has like some beef with him or something like that he doesn't like Pedro's style Pedro would throw at people's heads he hated the Yankees just as much as Red Sox fans did uh and and Pedro Martinez literally took Zimmer by the ears and kind of olayed him uh like as if you would a bull and just threw him onto the ground it's just like old ass liver spotted man onto the ground and like that sparked a whole nother thing so it was like this this rivalry is beyond a rivalry yeah like, yeah you know limbs should have been broken in in <sighs> these like little skirmishes that they would have um to the to the point where like pedro martinez would throw at people's heads he threw at yeah. this one guy's head like he was a jobber for the yankees called kareem garcia and in the pre- the press conference afterwards he would just say who is Kareem Garcia? Like, not even knowing who this guy is, that he almost decapitated with a 98-mile-an-hour fastball. Oh, the moxie That's on crazy. him. He's going in the uh, – Pedro's going in the Hall of Fame this year. I'm nice. super pumped for it. Um, so great. Like, first ballot Hall of Famer, no doubter. Um, Love that. All, all those Braves picture, pitchers of the 90s are getting to the point of being first ballot Hall of Famers, yeah. which has been a really nice thing for, like, Braves country. <laughs> is Smoltzy going in? I think this yeah. year, right? Mm-hmm. This oh. year, Smoltzy. Last year was uh, Glam and Maddox and uh, Bobby Cox. Big Bobby Cox. <laughs> Big Bobby Cox. <laughs> oh, so great. So, like, to see a grown man thrown to the ground and, like, that there was even an SNL nuts. sketch about it where really? Horatio that Sands played Don Zimmer. That's and he hosted the Don Zimmer. I gotta look that up. You really do. He hosted the Don Zimmer talk show, and the bit was that he would get riled up every like two or three minutes and run at the guests, and the guests would just throw him on the ground. <laughs> I was like, oh man, that sounds hilarious. <laughs> there's a lot of there's a lot of hilarity to the Red Sox. Like 
the idea that Pedro Martinez had a midget with him in the locker what? room. He just kept, like yeah, the world's shortest man at the time. His name was like Nelson De La Cruz. He would just have him around in the locker room, like in press conferences and stuff like that. What? And he was just like the good luck charm for the giggles? Red Sox. Yeah, he was. He just became a good luck charm, and he would come in costumes sometimes. Um, That's one of the most absurd things I've ever heard, <laughs> <laughs> especially surrounding baseball specifically. Oh God, so great. Uh, so the idea that this team eventually went toe to toe with the fucking New York Yankees, who like won't even let you have a goatee. You know, they're like so straight laced and, and like don't even have fucking names on the back of jerseys. Right, it's just yeah, it's mystique. All, it's they, all got to be the same as it was. The outfield is the Hall of Fame, the Hall of Plaques, and all this bullshit. And they have everything the Red Sox don't. So the idea that they would meet in the ALCS again, like as, as a rematch from the previous year, it was like a heavyweight rematch. That's huge. And the idea, it's great. So the idea that they would, the Red Sox would go down three, nothing in a best of seven series was just like so demoralizing. And for me personally, like I was, um, I, I remember being on campus. It was like, I think, uh, towards the start of our school year of my, I must've been my junior year editing the school, the college newspaper. Uh-huh. And I just remember it being on in the background and I'm just like so pissed off at my yeah. fucking team, like that they went down in the, yeah. in the way that they did just kind of, uh, kneeled down the, the game three, I think they lost, um, 18 to nine. No. It was just brutal. It was just a massacre. It was just them teeing off. Oh. And, the, and game three was in Fenway Park. It was uh, two games at uh, mm-hmm. Yankee Stadium. They lost one game at Fenway Park. They just got annihilated. Game four is at Fenway. And we're, we're pitching, I think, our, uh, maybe a scrub pitcher. Uh, I think we were actually we were pitching maybe Derek Lowe, who mm-hmm. had fallen out of the good graces in Boston. After being like a guy who could win 20 games, yeah. he was basically on the outs then. Um, yeah. People would kind of turn on him. You know, when a pitcher's not going good and it's you have him on your so playoff roster, rough. That's, I think, the most thankless position to be in, honestly, is like when a pitcher just can't deliver. And it's one of those positions where, like, I mean, hitting's like that too, but pitching, man, if you're broken, you you stay broken. Yeah. Especially if the weight of, like, a contract and the fact that you used to be good. I mean, look at guys like Rick and Keel. Like, that guy literally just broke like broken half yeah and he never pitched again and then they took I, I roids love, and, and i fucking love it. his story though i really do i i think i think it's really uh yeah i mean <laughs> his steroid usage uh aside yeah and kind of it, he's he's in a big armstrong situation yeah mm-hmm. where he kind of does these magical things yeah, so once you have kind of like the scrubby pitcher going up and you're just not feeling good and I'm just I'm editing the paper and I'm probably at this point like editing a column by our lacrosse player <laughs> uh, columnist who does all our sports stuff and I'm just hating life and just right. like grumbling. Right. Um, and just waiting for the, the book to be closed on this fucking awful season. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's so weird because it's tied like late in the in, – or, or they're down a run in the ninth inning in Fenway Park. They're about to fucking choke it over. They're about to get swept by the Yankees, which is just uh, abysmal yeah. after all the talent they've collected. And some weird shit starts happening that normally never happens for the Red Sox. They always get biffed on calls, going back to like them playing the Mets and Buckner. Like every, every okay. even people in Indonesia n- know the name Buckner, like is synonymous with complete failure. Yeah. Um, so that shit happens to the Red Sox all the time. Hence the like curse. Like they're mm-hmm. cursed by the Bambinos. The they Bambino. can't win yeah, because yeah. of awful supernatural bullshit. Um, so Kevin Millar is facing Mariano Rivera, who's like the best closer 
in the world One, of all time. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, like, probably the best closer period ever. Yeah. And Millar, like, works a walk off of him, like, late in the inning. And it's just like, what the what? fuck Damn. is going on? Yeah, because yeah, yeah. uh, Rivera just throws a cutter. You always swing at it and always goes in the ground, and you're always out. Like, that. that's like a lock. Mm-hmm. Um, so Millar makes it to first base. They pinch run him. I, I want to say they probably have two outs at this insane point. Uh, Dave Roberts, who was another like midseason pickup from the Padres, just kind of like a, a a guy who had played on a couple teams. He, I think he, by this point he was like 38, 39, kind of like on his last legs. But he was fast as fuck. He was a, a, a stolen base specialist. So the idea that he's <laughs> yeah, on take, first. Taking out, taking out a, a, a load of a first baseman and putting in the fastest dude. Yeah, you got to go there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like building the drama up and like Rivera's checking on him on first base and all that stuff. And that'll, that kind of thing will, will break even, you know, the best closer in the game exactly. of having to pay attention to. Yeah, you're in their mind dude. and you're kind of like bugging on them. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea that after like two or three pitches, Dave Roberts is able to steal second. And it's to this day still like the closest steal call I've ever seen like in my life. Jeter like swipes on him and it's basically like complete bang bang. He thinks bang. he has him, yeah. And it's so like I'm in the like newsroom at our college paper and like I'm starting to like give my attention over him. And you're like, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm kind of like, let me put Hayden Quinn's column over <laughs> here for a little bit. Let me watch this stupid bullshit because yeah. even if they win today, they're just going to break my heart tomorrow. Right. Whatever. Yeah. It's like I- having an abusive <laughs> girlfriend or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, because at that point in the season and that point in the series, you don't even want to get invested because again, yeah. because your heart's just going to get broken again. I yeah. cried as a, as a grown ass man the year before. I had cried watching this cried stupid baseball ago. team. Yeah, it's it's just like impossible the way that you you get you dive in and you watch so many of the games and you get invested. And the Bra- spend too much time. Yeah, when the Braves got knocked out by the Dodgers, that was last. Season. Oh, I think so. Yeah, yeah that was last season. That was pretty it, rough. It fucking sucked. We did the same thing. We let them. We let them take. I think they took all four games off of us. Yeah, and, and it was. And I was at fucking sh- um, Sheffield's and just sitting at the bar watching it happen. And I just, yeah, you can't. It sucks, man. Yeah. Sheffield's has good barbecue though. Uh, yes, please. Yeah, they do. I li- I like Sheffield's. Uh. Because I think it's the most like South Carolinian of any of the barbecue places. Ooh. They have like they literally. I think they may even have South Carolina ties because they are a University of South Carolina bar. Um, but yeah, that like their pulled pork is the leash. Great beer bar, good beer garden. Love their beer, love their foods. For a Lakeview bar, Sheffield, you're, you're not gonna <laughs> Sheffield. <laughs> You're never going to get more tolerable of a bar. And like, totally, absolutely agree. Okay. Especially being like, I mean, it's only like a five minute, five, ten minute walk from Wrigley, too. Yeah, great. Anyway, Sheffield. Sheffield. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, so Dave Roberts able to steal second. Um, then it's up to Bill Miller, who's our like third baseman, who's just like this older guy that we had gotten from the Giants. He, he was another guy who wasn't a big name, but would just come through clutch in some, in some like clutch moments. He's the guy who earlier that season had hit three home runs in one in one game. He, I think he, I'm not sure if I'm correct on this. He definitely hit home runs from both sides of the plate. He was a switch hitter, Damn. and I want to say he hit like two grand slams or something in stupid Damn. insane like that, that has not been done. Um, so he comes in, laces a single up the middle. Dave Roberts is coming all the way home. They tie up the game late. Goes to extra innings. I'm fucking invested. I think it was must have been like the twelfth inning. Like, and by this point, it's almost like two in the morning, yeah. New England time, East Coast time, and Ortiz uh, hits a walk off. 
they end the game. Oh, They're coming back to Fenway in, in something insane, like seven hours or something. It was like an afternoon game the next day. Oh my god! So they have to get up, and in the meantime, like these Red Sox, in order to like amp themselves uh, amp themselves up before this game four that they had just won, they were in the locker room taking shots. Like they weren't giving like epic speeches about you know it, it wasn't like they were Al Pacino on any given Sunday like talking about how life is a game of inches. Yeah, they were back there. Johnny Damon, who's our outfielder, who looks like a fucking caveman, he's doing like naked chin ups and throwing soap at people. Uh, Kevin Millar is just doing his cowboy up thing, like being an idiot. <laughs> um, Manny Ramirez and Pedro are mixing together like this jungle juice mixture of shots. And this is when they have to be back at the field the next day. Yeah, totally. Well, they had taken these shots before the game, oh, even. What? And they, so it became a tradition. They would do this before every game after that they oh, won. Oh my god! Because they just went like, "Well, this is it, boys." Fuck it, yeah. yeah. Uh, and it was just like last ditch effort. Um, and it recently came out in the news that uh, <laughs> Manny and Pedro like tried their like jungle juice concoction on some of the veteran players that were not on the playoff roster. Uh-huh. So this guy Ellis Burks, who was like their backup backup first baseman, uh-huh. uh, he would try the juice, and then afterwards he's like, "Oh, this this is not bad. It's pretty good." And then they start snickering like little boys, and they're like, "Oh, we put Viagra in the juice. <gasps> we put like a one milligram of Viagra oh, yeah. in like the big pot, and like yeah." So there there's a good oh, chance that they gave half their guys uh, erections. Yeah, about Abe. Who knows if that's juicy? Talk about performance enhancing (laughs) drugs. (laughs) Uh, Penis CDs. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely. After some PEDs, I'm down for ass play. (laughs) DFA'd. DFA'd. I gotta gotta stick in one thing. I went to um, opening day at Milwaukee last year because the Braves were playing in them, and that was awesome. So I was like, all right, time to go to Miller Park. Um, unfortunately we lost that game, but we won the next two. So whatevs, uh, we had a great time, but it was, um, right when Ryan Brown was coming back and Uh. people were chanting MVP when he came up to the plate. And I was like, uh, looking around, just like aghast, just like, are you guys fucking kidding me? So every time he would come to the plate and people would chant MVP, I would as loud as I could chant P-E-D. P-E-D. <laughs> like a good wrestling deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anywho. It's rough. It's, it's a weird thing to um, come to terms with as a baseball it's, fan. Yeah, it's just like, I'm just, I, 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 it's become, and I know that it's something, I've seen bigger, stronger, faster. Yeah. I know how much it's used. I know there are players that I'm fans of who've used, I mean, there there's a couple Braves uh, pitchers that are no longer on the roster um, like just because they've gone their different ways, but they like have been found using dr- like using PEDs, and it's like, damn, that sucks. I root for that guy, but to chant MVP yeah, when the dude right. comes over to the plate, that is like condoning or yeah, condoning that behavior. Brutal, yeah. Uh, and like Ortiz and a bunch of other people were named on the Mitchell report, which yeah. was like this weird. Kind of steroid report, but not really. Where like no like, repercussions came yeah, out. Yeah, it. it was kind of like a like a witch hunt kind yeah. of thing. So we're kind of in this weird, dirty period where all of these records during the early two thousands and late nineties are shady. Are shady as hell, and there's almost no way to confirm that mm-hmm. that those are legit. So the idea that a Rod will hit you know six sixty home runs and pass mm-hmm. all these milestones, mm-hmm. uh, the same way Bonds doing. I was going to say was, was Barry Bonds. Yeah, nobody, nobody cares. Yeah, yeah. So like, I don't know. I think sooner people will be checked out on baseball than we get past the asterisks 
uh, system. Because I, I don't know that we're going to have a new cream or a new crop of of players that of we know dudes. are super clean forever. I, I don't agree. know how, we, how you gain the trust back. I think, I think you're right. I, I think we're at the point, especially, I mean, a lot of people are saying that we're in like the pitcher's era of baseball. Of, uh, and I don't know, man. I mean, more and more pitchers are coming up dirty for that stuff too. So it's like, maybe that's why we're in the pitcher's era. Cause they started figuring out that it worked both ways. I don't know. Welcome to hot takes. Yeah. Hot sports takes. Hot takes. <laughs> <laughs> Give us money. ESPN. Uh, we're on the skillet. What was it? <laughs> the hot stove. We're on the stir fry. The hot stir fry. Uh, um, you just tuned into the stir fry. The stir fry. Um, I'm sorry. So, uh, going back to so game five, yes. so uh, so taking the shots of Viagra alcohol, right? Going to they go PDs. they gear up for five, uh, game five, um, and the idea being uh, Kevin Millar, the the weird cowboy up guy, he would give interviews before game four, and he would be like, "Hey, the 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 objective is don't let us win today, don't let us win today, because tomorrow you got Pedro Martinez, then you got Big Shillin, then then game seven, anything can happen." It was wow. like this. It's like this weird, like scenario yeah. that you would have never, um, you would never have drawn up. Yeah, uh, and and it actually like came it to fruition. Happened. So the point. So they game Cowboy. five in Boston. They win um, under Pedro. Pedro pitches that game uh, on like a, just a couple days rest. Yeah, game As six. Most teams are want to do in the playoffs. Kurt Schilling. Um, Kurt Schilling in the previous start had uh, had torn like a ligament in his ankle. Um, and they did not know if he would be able to go again. Dang. So for game uh, six, it's the the bloody sock game. Oh, uh, yeah. Which it, I remember this. It's crazy. They basically did just like on the spot locker room surgery on him after his previous start, which he lost against the Yankees. Um, they signed him specifically to beat the fucking Yankees because Kurt Schilling had beat him with the Diamondbacks. Had just been um, that guy. Exactly, he'd just been that him. guy. Yeah, yeah. He, he had played well with the Phillies. He had, he had rings. So in game two, he got uh, beat around by the Yankees. He had to have this crazy fucking surgery to the point where um, he's pitching the game and his ankle is like bleeding Opens out like up. real blood. And there have been Damn. like conspiracy theorists that think it's like ketchup or something like that. I've seen the fucking sock Why like in Cooperstown. And it? it's, yeah, it would be, I don't know any screenplay writer on earth that could put together this narrative. Come on. Fake blood and like all, and like and all the stuff. And it was already injured. Maybe if it was something that had like happened during the game, they were like, all right, let's spice this up a little. But like, no. Come on. So they the um, trainers do like this just backyard surgery essentially on him. They numb up his ankle entirely, and thank goodness it's not his um, uh, and landing this is during foot. Game six? This is game six. Yeah, I think they had done the the surgery prior previously, and then they had to like numb him up to like even get him on the mound. Like it was it was Damn. an act of God to even get him to pitch. Yes, and he pitches fucking beautifully. He gets him through game six. Damn. So, like, all these weird things that Millar had predicted at Game 4, like, hey, don't let us win today. Like, actually, these dominoes fall. And, like, as a Red Sox fan, you are going, like, absolutely nuts. You have but then you're be. also almost like Tom and Jerry. You're, like, waiting for the other uh-huh. shoe to fall. You're waiting to just have yeah, your heart Yeah, it's like, we saw this last year. You know, we lost really fucking heartbreakingly in Game 7. Yeah. <laughs> and this season is when um, Jimmy Fallon is uh, filming a movie Fever called Pitch. Fever That's Pitch. That's right. Oh, Fuck, I forgot about that because they're filming it like thinking they weren't going to go that far, basically, right? Exactly. So Fever Pitch was an adaptation of a British, um, 
I think it's a Wimbledon movie or something mm-hmm. like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's basically adapted. It's about a, f- uh, or no, I think it's maybe soccer. I was going to say pitch would be a soccer field. Yeah. So I think it's adapted from that. But basically it's about, uh, they wrote this whole screenplay, oh, I never assuming the Red Sox that, were going though, to like... lose again. And it's about a guy who meets a girl and he has, he's obsessed with the Red Sox specifically. Right. And like they crush him and it ruins his life, but he finds this girl and they fall in love. Right. And they had written the whole screenplay t- to this end. they were going to lose. So as they see that the Red Sox are like winning and like going on, um, you know, spoiler alert, they eventually win the World Series. We already talked about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They had to film games at Fenway to rewrite the script to to have them win instead. To actually win, yeah. And they totally flipped the entire, yeah, they entirely flipped the entire script. Like that's how epic this Red Sox team was. The story kind of like nullified. (laughs) Exactly. It's bigger than the Hollywood version of it. And they broke. That is insane. uh, All forces in the world were working against them and they kind of just got on their back. Is it um, him and Drew Barrymore? Drew Barrymore, yeah, uh, were the two. And, uh, yeah, the illustrious Jimmy Fallon uh, movie acting career. What, <laughs> that and Taxi? Taxi, yeah. Uh, anywho. Uh, <laughs> so, Game 7. But now he's doing better than well for He's doing himself. good, yes. <laughs> yeah, have us on the show, Jim. Uh, game 7, Yankees-Red Sox. Again, it's almost like House of Horrors. They're playing in Yankee Stadium. And the Yankees, the Yankee fans are like super fat and pompous they've got all of their curse of the bambino signs out um they had said uh (laughs) the weird thing about after pedro had initially lost uh his first start to the yankees in that series Mm -hmm. um in the press conference he said you know i just got to tip my cap and called it call the Yankees my daddies, which was oh, a really weird thing to say, but it was almost like this weird soups. reverse psychology, like, you know, jihad on the Yankees yeah, of like, so like all the Yankees fans were super cocky and they would start chanting like, who's your daddy? daddy. Um, and game seven, this was in like epic proportion. Like they were shouting and yelling God, and who starts game seven. Imagine the like, uh, I, I would not have wanted to be anywhere near that stadium, even though it was such a like historic moment. I cannot imagine. I cannot fathom what the fans <laughs> were like on both sides. Like it would have been insufferable. Oh yeah, it's like a it's like a, a cold front and a, a warm front, just like yeah. meeting. Like, yeah, yeah. you had time. fucking El Nino. El Nino. <laughs> um, so they're chanting, "Who's your daddy?" Um, they're base and who has to start game seven for the Red Sox, but Derek fucking Lowe, mm-hmm. who's totally cast aside. He was almost left off the roster entirely. Yeah. And he's starting the deciding game because they have nobody else. They ran out their bullpen. Um, Kurt Schilling has like one fucking leg. Yeah. They, they can't, they can't throw anybody else out there. And the, again, like weird things happen in the series. Like at one point, Ruben Sierra of the Yankees, I think it was game five or six, w- hit a, a ball that would have scored the winning run and would have ended the game. But it was ruled a ground rule double because oh. it bounced out into the short porch in right field. At Fe- it was at Fenway. Which is um, always Which weird is really weird. Days, so it yeah. hangs the runner at third, and they get out of the inning. They win that game. So, like, all these weird moves are happening to the point where um, throughout the series, Mark Bellhorn was the second baseman of the Red Sox. And Bellhorn was kind of like the strikeout king. I think he struck out, like, 200, an ungodly amount of times oh. during the season. And he hadn't done anything in that series. And he was like the typical bum, like, you know, when a Boston Red Sox fan base gets on you, they get the fuck on you. And they're on message boards, like trying to find out the seven different players that they can replace you with yeah, and what hey, minor leaguer is in like, the system five years from now. That will like hopefully old okay. Dan Struggler disease. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's it to a yeah. T. So he had done nothing throughout the series and he was like the number nine hitter. He comes up in a big spot in the fourth inning. 
and hits a, ho- a two-run jack. Damn, dude. And from then, Johnny Damon hits a grand slam. And they're up, like, they're up like 7 nothing on the Yankees. And in the... This is in game seven, and this is heading but into like... But like, what, what inning-ish are we uh, talking It's probably here? like late. It's probably like seventh, eighth okay. inning getting on there. And, and, and as a Red Sox fan, you're just like holding on to your ass, like just like... Not please, yet. Not just, yet. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know better. Yeah. You've been trained, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's almost like clockwork orange. You've been like brainwashed to know that they're going to lose somehow. And against all odds... They stay in there, and they. I think they bring in Pedro to pitch an inning, which is just like to seal it, like to get in yeah, there. Yeah, you have to. And he starts bleeding out runners, and you're just like, you have to at that point. What's happening? Um, and they beat the Yankees in Yankee Stadium in Game Seven uh, to go to the World Series. Was the final? Uh, was it that offset? It was pretty offset. I think they won by like four or five runs. Damn. Like they they cleared the bar entirely. You there was know, no, once it was like seven zero, that stadium was silent. <laughs> like totally, yeah. Because none of the Yankee, all the Yankee fans are like, oh fuck, oh fuck, oh, so fuck. fucking pompous. And, and they yeah. knew they, you know, they knew so well that they were going to win. And no team in Major League Baseball or uh, NBA has ever gone from being 0-3 to winning the series. It's happened in hockey, but hockey's weird. Like, it, there's almost no home field advantage in, in hockey. Oh. Um, so for baseball, why do you for think seven, that is? Just because everything's much more uniform than I guess so. I, I, I'm not sure. Uh, ice is ice. There's like three times it's happened in hockey, but it's never happened in baseball in the hi- in you know the hundred plus years yeah, of the history yeah. of baseball, and they've always been playing seven game series in the World Series. Um, so from that point, from them to like, there was a little bit of controversy over who caught like the game winning ball, like sure. like who has that and all that stuff, and getting in there. They go on to face. So they had played the the Angels of Anaheim mm-hmm. in the ALDS. Uh, who had like won 100 games? They were crazy. Dang. They played the Yankees, Murderers Row of Yankees. You know, uh, A. Rod, yeah, because like, they would have had Gary to play Sheffield, the one seed as Jeter, the... all those guys. And then they go oh, on to play yeah, the fucking Gary St. Sheffield. Louis it's Cardinals. I like Sheff. I like that guy a lot too. It was it was tough reconciling with him on the he, Yankees. He he must have gone to. I think he went to the Yankees from the Braves. Yeah, I it think. might have been directed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, he was a guy I, who rubbed some salves on his knee. Yeah. And his knee. Oh! Yeah. Uh, the cream and the clear, whatever. Uh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking about. They go on to face the St. Louis Cardinals, Cardinals who are like, you, you basically f- have to face all the hardest teams in baseball to like earn it and, and make it go through. Mm-hmm. But like at, almost. I a, mean, you're preaching to the choir. Like <laughs> the motherfucking Cardinals. Yeah, they're the type of team that uh, Bob Nightingale, the columnist for the um, St. Louis Post-Dispatch, will just write, you know, epic columns about how they do everything the right way. Uh, and they put the right color sprinkles on their ice cream. And you're just like... That's how people write about Bryce Harper, and it makes uh, me want to die. Like, that guy is just now starting to become the player that like even in the last you know 20 games is becoming the player that people like expect you know expected out of him it was like him and trout and trout is like actually the mvp and harper is like a chump who hasn't (laughs) been living up to what people expected of him and he's like just now starting to and it's like people already had like google docs filled with like things they were gonna say about bryce harper once he like actually started fulfilling that prophecy and it makes my fucking skin crawl. Like I, I, I'll, I, I'll read you something off mic that like is terrible sports writing. That is just like, can 
it's amazing that you could type all those words with his dick that far into your mouth. <laughs> Stay classy. Uh, anywho, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bryce Harper is the kind of guy who will have a mullet, and he's like a dude, bro. Like <sighs> clown question, bro. Yeah. Clown question, bro. Come on. He's a clown question. That that he said that in response. He is a Mormon. And he was um, under the age of 21, and it, during his uh, first season, um, he, when they were playing a game again, uh, it must have been in Blue Jay. It must have been in Toronto. Yeah. They were like, oh, after the game, they are like, oh, Bryce, uh, the legal drinking age is lower here. Um, are you going to have a drink to celebrate? And instead of being like, no, actually, uh, I'm a Mormon, so in my faith, I wouldn't drink even if it were legal. He said, that's a clown question, bro. <laughs> gross. That guy's a D-bag. Come on. It's gross. It's gross. gross yeah. And not with any hint of, like, humor or sarcasm, like, just that was his sincere response to that question, and he's a douchebag. I love that hot take. That's a hot, hot take. takes. Hot takes. <laughs> put, put that in the stir fry. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, yeah. So that's like the caliber of douchery that you're putting up with when you face the mm-hmm. St. Louis Cardinals, who like do everything the right way and all mm-hmm. that stuff. I mean, for all the foibles that the Red Sox have, you know, they're they're so up their own ass. At least they were like at that point they were the underdog. Like now, I can understand so much hatred, but at that time. Like, I think if the Cubs reached the World Series, I think America would probably get on board, no they matter how they to. did it. They have yeah, to. Man. So at that point, like, 86 years not winning it, going in there, like, all this magic and mojo, after beating the vaunted Yankees and, like, yeah, going in there. Yeah, that's huge. And the weird thing, like, I wish I had a great, like, World Series story, but mm-hmm. after, they basically run train on the Cardinals. Yeah. They sweep them four to nothing, which is, it, that <sighs> never happens. Unheard like, That's of. something that, like, an expansion team that somehow got lucky yeah. would, would get Unheard run out of, of the playoffs. For a, a wild card team to have already overcome what they had to go 4-0 over the Cardinals, unheard of. Yeah. Um, oh, and one thing that, oh, shoot, from, I had forgotten from the Yankees series, another A-Rod thing was... Um, Another weird thing that happened, I think it was in game six, Bronson Arroyo, Cornrow guy, mm-hmm. the, uh, you know, shit, would you believe a double? That guy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's uh, <laughs> pitching to A-Rod, and A-Rod hits a dribbler along the first baseline, and Jeter is on first base, and he's going to second. Um, so he's running out the dribbler, and Arroyo picks up the ball and tags him with it, and A-Rod literally goes out of his way to slap it, uh. out, like kind of cat slap it, out of Arroyo's hand and it goes out and like he reaches first and he's like clapping and like that's the kind of guy A-Rod is like not scrappy just kind of like a jerk you know he didn't even like all he had to do was run through the play and he wouldn't he probably would have gotten the interference call but he had to kind of like go out of his way to try to ruin it and at the time A-Rod didn't have a ring he didn't have a championship so it was like in his being like I'm the best I'm the the prototype I'm the the guy Mm -hmm. Um, and the weirdest thing ever was that he got called out and Jeter got called back to first, and they started getting these breaks, and like these, like, like this heavenly rain started yeah. to come from the. Yeah, from yeah, the, yeah. So, like, for the Red Sox to start getting those breaks, for them to go to the World Series, sweep the Cardinals, have all their best pitching, all their best hitting, and they won it in St. Louis, I think, because yeah, yeah, the AL uh, they would have had the the AL had won the All Star game oh, that year. Boy, <laughs> yeah, but we could, we'd have to have a whole nother PCast to talk about <laughs> what a dumb idea that is. <laughs> so many dumb ideas. Giving home field advantage to the All Star game winner. Yeah, rough. Burr.
after they win, they plan the parade for like the next, like I think weekend coming up. And I'm I'm living in Vermont, and I make the like five you hour drive to. down to At Boston. Got to, and everybody like it's raining, it's gross. They get on these duck boats in Boston. They have these things called duck boats that uh-huh. are like kind of tour boats, go but they the go harbor. in the water. In they, the harbor, they go in the harbor, wicked high. <laughs> um, so the, I think we've done a really good job of curtailing the oh, yeah. amount of. Anyway, anyway, <laughs> I'll get a few more belts in me, and we'll yeah, see yeah. where I'm at. <laughs> um, they so the whole team is on these duck boats, and I get up close. I remember we had woken up late. That day, I was so like angry and pissed off at myself. But we got out to the the Charles River light right at the proper time, and we see like up proper. close. We see <laughs> we see <laughs> we, we see uh, like the boat that has Schilling and Lowe and Pedro on it, Damn, and those guys are revered and like idolized. Yeah. And like they got they got so much out of that championship to the point where like the Red Sox marketing team will just trot them out periodically whenever they're that low on attendance. <laughs> whenever they're low on attendance because they had this bullshit attendance record at Fenway where like they would fill up they, you know, three quarters of the stadium mm, and call it a sellout still. Um, really? Yeah, maybe not that Bush dire, league. but like, yeah. I mean, it's one of those things when your stadium only has 40,000 seats as compared to like, I don't know, I think Yankee Stadium has like 60,000. Yeah, like that. I was going to say, I think Fenway and Wrigley are really the only ones that are around that anymore. Yeah. So they were popular forever, yeah, and they would just smaller. trot out these players. In the next season, I got to go to opening day. I went there with my family. Uh, uh, it was so awesome to see them get their rings and to like see everybody uh, come in. And, and um, I, just, I, I just watched a documentary about David Ortiz, and David Ortiz now has three World Series rings. And also, like, just an overall Red Sox MVP of the decade ring. And he keeps them on, the, like, this blingy necklace that he has <laughs> that he just wears out. He's just a fucking boss MVP about it. it makes decade. me so happy. It seems like the kind of thing that they, like, made up just yeah, for him. Yeah, for him, totally. And that, that next season was, like, kind of like a hangover season. But, um, but who on fucking Mother- cares Who cares? That? We got it done. We got to go to Mother's Day. I took my mom there for Mother's Day. Aww. And it was this another, like, weird game where they were down by – I think four runs to the Baltimore Orioles heading into the ninth and they call it the Mother's Day Miracle because they came back and won in a walk-off error in that same inning oh. in the ninth inning. And I just remember being there with my mom and we we're just like so excited. I gave her a hug and it was one of those things where I had to convince Pops to not leave. I was like, I know they're down Dad, by four. Come on. We are staying here. We're not beating traffic. We're going to eat here. Champs. <laughs> <laughs> World Series champs. How often are we going to see these guys? Come on, Dad. Um, and so it's just like one of those things where the team is always – really kind of stuck with me and they've won championships since then like 07 was a a really awesome team too that was kind of like theo's like dream team like he had fish is that the next time is that the next time they won after the oh yeah 07 they won they beat the colorado rockies in a sweep like they do um and then they just won in 2013 which was another really great story but like so different from the other ones that shit is absurd though but the the constant was ortiz and when they won in 2013 yeah. That was after the or two seasons after, right? The biggest collapse in baseball history. Uh I think no, it was the next season. Yeah. They went from worst to first and then back to worst, but yeah. Was it really the next season? Yeah, they went worst to first. The Bobby Valentine season where they completely choked off. Yeah. Where they had like the worst September in baseball? Yep. That was They two, won the two, year four. after that? They won the next year. It makes year. me want to die. <laughs> because you know the only reason the braves almost had the worst collapse in baseball that september and and then the red sox beat it by like two games yeah 
Yeah, that was definitely a, yeah a time when you check out and like you don't want to listen to EI and you're just like sky is falling stuff. And it goes back. The weird thing is that the it's taken maybe ten years since that '04 championship for the Red Sox me- mentality to not to not default back to like woe is us sure, or like sky is falling. Yeah. To the point where now you're like, oh okay, I can. This kind is of... like what most teams feel like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is yeah. What it's actually like every happens. once in a while we might get close to winning a World Series and maybe we might even win one, but most of the time we're not because that's where most teams operate from. Yes. Yeah. And it was just so good to throttle the Cardinals and, like, go in there again. I mean... I can't imagine yeah. all that. I mean, because, like, the Braves have won in my lifetime, but not in my, like, adult life, I guess is how I'll say it. You know? Yeah. Like, we haven't really done much in the 2000s. It was, what, 95, 96? Uh, 95. 95. Oh, uh, I think And then they played right. the Yankees, what, the next year? Yeah, we went a few times and only won the one. Because 95 was, like, we did... It was like right in the middle of all the pennant wins, but yeah. uh, it was the last one we won. Got f- like 15 in a row or something insane, right? 14. 14. If I'm not mistaken. <laughs> They'll get back there. Don't I worry. know. Have you any games I mean, it's this a year? weird. What? Have you caught any Bravos games this I year? I have not seen a Braves game yet. I've been to a couple Cubs games so far. Usually when they come to Wrigley, I try to go to all three games. Yeah. Um, last couple years, they've like happened into playing the White Sox in interleague, so that's been fun to have them in Chicago a couple times during the season. Like I said, last year I went to see them um, at uh, Milwaukee um, for the first time, so that was cool. Or I'd been to Milwaukee, but I hadn't seen them uh, yet. That's awesome. I mean, when they come to Wrigley, I guess you get the benefit of seeing them later in the season. I went to an early. Uh, Cubs game this season and the whole outfield was torn up and they're putting up yeah, these titantrons they in the outfield. literally I, I've, I've been to a couple of Cubs games so far they just opened two sections of the bleachers on Monday yesterday ah, it's nuts to me like mm-hmm. seeing it was almost like a, an empty stadium like it's super it, weird anyway. it's super weird and then the piss cups <laughs> yeah, first week. I was there during piss cup weekend um so have you you know Trevor Martin right oh yeah I'm sure you've talked both socks with him before. oh yeah I've been to games with him yeah um but he like swore them off after the uh 20 no before that somewhere in the like early he talked about it when he was on the podcast yeah um just for like a little interlude because he thought about talking about the Red Sox actually um and like just like got in some thoughts in there but he like doesn't consider himself a Red Sox fan anymore yeah he's kind of like an expat yeah Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um one weird thing that has happened to me though in Chicago is Epstein's now like uh, right uh, works for the Cubs uh, since and I, just this year? No, no, no. He's been there like three years. Okay, he's he's okay. had like a long plan. He's had a long time to string them yeah. along to say, "Well, we need to build this system," and like uh, kind of like okay. But the, he's. It seems like he's actually doing it. They're I pretty so good too. this year. Um, I lived it next to Wrigley for a couple years, mm-hmm. and Epstein would occasionally stop into the Whole Foods near my house. And the one time that, that I caught be. him at the, I caught him like at the buffet area at the Lakeview uh. Whole Foods. And it was one of those one times of like, I'm wearing my Red Sox hat. Yeah. I can kind of see him from across the room. And I, I just kind of like make slight, uh, slight like eye, eye contact, contact with him. And yes, there is the mentality of like, I have to go talk yeah, to him. Dude. But then my own like gut check comes in and just like, no. Just let it be. Aww, you, you, you saw it. You, I don't want to yeah. meet my idol and have it be anything but perfect. Like, this is just 
this is this great. This is just, we're at a he's bar a, in the whole he's a, he's a very <laughs> handsome Harvard boy, and he brought us more joy than, like, you can ever imagine. I was like, I, I was just, like, sending him, like, telepathic vibes. Yeah, of, like, yeah, Because yeah. I, if I had gone up to him, I was just like, ah, Theo, ah, you right. know, ah. Yeah, like, like, what do you really get out of that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I just didn't know that he's there, and I'm in his presence, and, and I'm there. just like, oh. And he knows, and you know. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Uh, this seems like a perfect time to ask. Um, how do you feel like your love of let's talk specifically the 2014 Boston Red Sox because that's what we've been talking the whole time how do you feel like your love of that team and and all of that feeling as that season went along uh, really has influenced you both creatively and your life in general oh man I guess uh, to the effect of doing things with style. Um, I love it. The idea that they weren't they weren't the best baseball team by any means that year that they won the World Series. Yeah. But the idea that so there many... Were scrubs, man. Kind of scrubs. It's like every time you talked about a player, you had to talk about where he'd come from. Like yeah. he hadn't... Uh, with the small exception of guys like Pedro and, you know, Ortiz, and that's why they're the guys that everybody hangs their hats on because they were like already socks for a while. But everybody else, you're like, yeah, we got this guy from blah, blah. We didn't really expect much from him. Yeah, from the garbage heap or, or whatever. And they all just had such good character. And they were, it was like such a, an interesting mix of characters that worked together to form this like team chemistry. So I would say like doing it with style, mm-hmm. um, kind of not necessarily, even if you are like elite at a skill or something like that, there's something to be said about being a personality and being personal and being interesting. So for me as like a journalist, like I'm not necessarily, you know, we were talking about like barbecue places. I'm looking for a fun story, especially like, um, I cover like restaurants and bars, entertainment stuff around the city of Chicago. Um, it's not necessarily always the best, like the best places will get covered, but my favorite things to, to cover are like, you know, a place like Kaiser tiger, which is like this beer and bacon hall in the West Loop. And they have like... Is it by all the like Murderer's Row restaurants? No, it's a little bit farther off. So they kind of have to, they kind of have to like game the system a little bit. But in the winter, they made their own fucking curling rink in the back no way now in summer they have like a little bocce kind of like a parsons chicken and fish kind of thing didn't they do a, a ice rink yeah exactly so it's like if there's like some other element to the story if there's like some interesting detail something that like jumps out so you're not looking for the best team on paper the boston red sox were not the best team on paper by any means but like for them the to yankees be probably were the yankees definitely were they always were and boring <laughs> yes, exactly. They were terrible. They had no mustaches. So, so the idea of Johnny Damon, our unfrozen caveman lawyer outfielder, for him to sign with the Yankees the next year was just like Woof. so crazy. He shut his, cut his hair, shaved off his whole beard. It was like so bizarre, man. So like the idea of kind of bringing that X factor to it, being interesting as well as interested, I guess. I is love part that. Of it. Um, and Those yeah. are the kind of like people I gravitate towards, I think, or try to. And it hit me at a good peak in my life where I was like so invested in that sport and like wanted it and, and it was just like one of those things that was such a good pastime at the time like you're in college and you're kind of formulating yourself into a proper adult and <laughs> you're just, sometimes you just needed that thing there to glom onto and like mm-hmm. bond with some classmates and stuff and, and mm-hmm. some roommates um the idea that uh 
it's it's like a sports miracle. It's yeah. it's really weird to say yeah. that. You know, Miracle on Ice, people talk about being moved by that. Watching that 30 for 30 documentary was, like, very I moving. I can't wait. Yeah, there's a there's an ever-growing list of 30 for 30s that I need to watch. Get into them. I mean, so for this to happen, and they made a 30 for 30 about the Red Sox, but, like, you almost can't encapsulate it in, like, even an hour. Because mm. you, once you've been along for the ride, um, I think the 30 for 30 is, like, Dennis Leary just shooting the bull and, Good. like, probably Bill Simmons talking about, you know, the Red Sox and all that stuff. Right. Like, it's, it's a whole culture unto itself. So for, like, this epic comeback win, like, what it meant to everything, how it unhinged all this stuff, it kind of broke, broke that mold. I don't think that I'll experience another sports kind of epiphany like that in my lifetime. I, I hope I do. But right. I, I mean, to have that to kind There's, of, like, take to your grave. Like, I mean, the next thing would have to be the Cubs. I, yeah. I mean, know? in the scheme of, like, historical relevance, yeah. And I, I, people hypothesize about this all the time, but if they were to ever – like win a World Series, like yeah, stuff would probably <laughs> burn and get out there. I mean, that the interesting thing, like being up in Vermont when the Red Sox won the World Series, right. we would come into the quad and burn stuff. And, and uh, there was, there, like it, I can only imagine in Cambridge kind of and on the streets of uh, yeah, exactly. In the city proper uh, getting hit with. I had I was there in Boston in '07 when they won, and wow. and the so when they clinched, but they were out of town. They were in Colorado, but mm. still people swarmed. Mm-hmm. Fenway and Kenmore um, but that time the police had their shit together mm-hmm. so they went full like riot gear horsey police people and they immediately like got everybody out off. of there wow it was a weird time I, I was staying with my buddy just uh, randomly and I rode his crappy like bike down to down the Charles yeah, River down to the, why not. Yeah. and I, I remember I didn't have a lock for it or I lost the key or something and I left the the bike near the stadium and it was still there like three hours later because the riot police had cleared everybody Everything away and, and it was untouchable. And I was like, I had to ask the riot cure police nicely. Like, can I, can I just go get my money? <laughs> yeah. I'm, the bike. I'm not, I'm not drunk and awful. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, right. and thankfully they, they let me get in there. But like, oh man, they had had it figured out by then. But I can right. only imagine like the first time what around. So oh, four was like, I can't uh, imagine. And, but again, they were out of town, which is probably like, Thank goodness. Even when the black, like I can kind of, I can definitely relate it to like the Blackhawks winning championships here, mm-hmm. and like what what Clark Street, the monstrosity that it turns into. But I mean, if the mm-hmm. Cubs win it, like I, it's gonna, you might as well, ju- what, they might as well just declare a state of war. Like, <laughs> they, like it would be unbearable. Yeah. And but at the same time, like. I hope I'm living in Chicago when it comes to <laughs> the World Series. That'd be cool as fuck. Uh, I already think it's cool that I've lived in Chicago for a couple of Blackhawks, Stanley Cups, and I'm not even a huge hockey fan. But you get into it. And but then it's so fun to get into This bull season with Rose, yeah, uh, Rose v. LeBron. Wait, we're like, that is happening right now. Happening Game right five. Yeah, I'm going to watch it on a delay. I'm not gonna, oh, you I'm are? Not, yep. Okay. I'm into it now. Cool. I mean, you kind of, I was just saying, I looked up when game five was because of what has happened so far. And I am, when I said I'm not really a hockey person, I'm even less of a basketball person. But like, you can't deny shot at the buzzer from Rose in game three, shot at the buzzer from LeBron in game four unreal it's already going in the books you know that's sports it's going down uh, sports <laughs> <laughs> all right shanzi uh this has been so much fun it's great thank you so much for doing it thank you for and having me for uh being patient with me when i got the new digs set up in this here. sounds good it sounds super good and it's nice to be able to just like hear it all 
um everyone else when they listen back to it be able to hear it all yeah. it's in an actual studio we and got them cans kitchen. them brian mccann cans oh thank you i appreciate <laughs> that uh my my um fantasy baseball team for the third year running is yes we mccann and i have never had him on my roster oh. <laughs> i just love him that much <laughs> former Braves catcher uh current yankees mm. catcher slash sometimes dh probs Anywho, um, not a fan anymore. Uh, I love that guy, but it was one of those. You know, you talked about um, getting ready Garcia Parra. It was time. Yeah, he he was worth more to somebody else than he was to us. Anywho, <laughs> it's just time. It is time. Uh, Sean, thank you so, so much for doing this. Thanks for having me. I love you, and I mean that. No, I love you too. Hmm. Stir fry. Stir fry. This has been a Nerdalogs production. For more on the Nerdalogs and our shows, please go to www.nerdalogs.com. Thank you all. Thank you all. I am Grabbot23548X.